ask now, Lord, that you'd be with the Sunday school hour, you'd be with each of the classes, the teachers, the helpers, Lord, and each of the students. And uh, Father, we pray if any of them today don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that today could be the day of salvation for them. Lord, we pray that you just speak to our hearts after this uh, great week of meetings, Lord, and uh, the, the very timely admonishment and warning that we were given on Friday night about the letdown. Father, I pray you'd help us always remember who you are. Father, so many times we get caught up in the cares of this world, uh, our own thoughts, our own needs, Father, and we forget, Father, that uh, you rule in the kingdom of men. Work in our hearts today as we look at you and what can happen, Father, when we take our eyes off of you, no matter where we are in our Christian walk. We need to set our affection on things above and not things here on this earth. Just bless the Sunday school hour and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're going to be turning to 1 Samuel chapter 8, and your principle this week is that God looks on the heart. And again, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Um, so many times we forget that. That's what Samuel's sons forgot in chapter 8 that caused the fact that the Israel was looking for a king. And see, what happened is their situation wasn't good under when Samuel was old, he's dying, his sons took over, he's not, Samuel's not doing well, and they were not godly. Just because you have a Christian home does not mean your children will live as Christians. Just because other people may look at you as godly does not mean that's how your sons have been raised in your home. Okay? Christianity is not what we see on a Sunday morning. It's what's going on every other day of the week. You're not accountable. This is adult Sunday school class. You are not accountable once your children reach of age. Okay? And they start making their choices and they're, they're past the point 20 years old and above. But you need to understand, they need to see it consistently in us. It's almost like I've looked at this and just being honest with you, Pastor Christian, stop serving. I may not be the senior pastor of this church, but I will not stop serving the Lord and doing what I can. Okay? And you say, why is that? One, because that's what I'm supposed to do. And two, I find in the Bible over and over again, things happen until the third and the fourth generation of them that know not God and them that fear Him. And the sins of the fathers are visited unto the children of the third and fourth generation. Okay, we, we're in a situation with this church, we've had some godly mothers without godly fathers who have saved their kids from so much heartache. And we, you know, I pray that it will always be both mother and father living for the Lord. But that's not always the case. It's not always the father who does it, and it's not always the mother who does it. But we need to understand that, and we need to realize who God is. And I want you to, it says here, For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 16. This was in your devotionals. I'm not sure how many use them. But the devotional for this week, before we get to the looking at Samuel and looking at Saul. Revelation 19, look at verse... Let me see here where I got you. 
Let's start at verse 11. And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness does he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, same as you find it early in the book of Revelation. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and on his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in the fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it, he should, that, that with it he should judge the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth out the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And on his vesture he had on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now look at Revelation 17. Who is King of kings and Lord of lords? Jesus Christ. Verse 14 of Revelation 17. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Philippians chapter 2. There is a lot that's under the term of Christendom in America. And they, they lump everybody into that who's not a non-believer in some form of Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to be offensive. But Jehovah Witnesses believe in Jesus Christ, not the Christ of the Bible. He's a lesser God. The Mormons believe in Jesus Christ, and you can talk to them so many times, they almost sound like they're Christians, and they are not. Because Jesus is a lesser God. He's not King of kings and Lord of lords for them. They are not saved. Any church that teaches anything different than what the Scriptures say about Jesus is a false church. Philippians chapter 2. Starting at verse 9. Wherefore God hath also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Okay? In the Great Commission, that's... Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 21, or through 20, excuse me. It, Jesus said, when he came to them, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He rules and reigns today. The allowance for people to usurp and to go against that reign happens because without it, there's no choice there's no free will and every day every hour of every day and i fail like this as much as anybody else he says choose you this day whom ye will serve that's what it comes down to ultimately when you serve your flesh which way where we spend most of our time you're not serving god you're serving the deceiver 
And now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 1 Timothy 1.17 1 Timothy 6.15 Which in his times he shall show who is blessed and only potentate. <laughs> uh, Dr. Ruckman says there's nobody more potentator okay, than Jesus Christ. Who is the blessed and only potentate, King of kings and lords of, Lord of lords. Okay, Every person who's trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, if they're truly saved, they've truly trusted Him, <coughs> they have Jesus living in them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it tells us in Ephesians 3.17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And I ask you, if He's living inside of you, in spiritual context, is he ruling over you? A lot of things was emphasized this week, okay, on the spirit of faith. For it to be true faith, there be, has to be one who is ruling and reigning. And it cannot be me. Is he the king of your heart this morning? As we look at Samuel and as we look at Saul... You can see, you can have great talent, great ability, great looks, whatever it might be. But if God is not ruling and reigning in your heart, you will be less than what you're supposed to be, and it will cost those around you. I'm not sure what the, the principle is now and what it's called in hope. But it used to be with our you. Your sinful acts always affect those who follow you. You may not understand it. You may not realize it. There's always somebody who's following you. I'm watching the other day. <laughs> I was watching Uriah trying to lead around Elijah. He was getting frustrated when Elijah didn't want to follow because he wanted mommy. And Uriah was going to make sure, you follow me, I'm your big brother. Everybody has somebody who's looking up to them. doesn't make any difference what age it is. And we need to understand, the Apostle Paul said, Be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. Okay? Questions you need to ask yourself. I have to ask myself, do I think about Jesus? Do I obey him? Do I love him? Not emotionally. Love is not an emotion. Emotions follow the choice. Love is a choice. Love is when you place that person above you. Men don't understand that sometimes. Husbands love your wives as Christ also loved the church. That means he chooses her over all others and over himself. That's what it means to be like Christ, a servant leader. Do you try to live to please him or please yourself? I don't know about you, but I can never quite be happy when I'm looking to please myself. There's always something more that I would like. Okay, I'd like that. Next piece of pie. 
that next Pepsi. I was asked after the meetings Friday night, do you want one scoop of each flavor or two or three? And I said, whatever you want to put in the bowl. <laughs> right, Karen? Okay, it's like, who am I trying to please? Do I give up things for my Savior? See, I've got to ask myself. That's what you need to ask. And can others see my Savior in the way I live? This takes us to our lesson this morning. And again, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. And we start off in this. And this is Israel. This is the Hebrew nation. And it says in verse 1, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. I've watched many a preacher, not all sons of the preacher don't turn out as well. Brother Thren's the son of a preacher, okay? But I've seen pastors turn their churches over to their sons, and the son doesn't have the conviction and the direction and the, the position in Christ. And I mean by that, the humility, the call of God. He was daddy called and not God called. And that, that hurts churches all over this country, Baptist churches. And he made his sons judges over all of Israel. And for the name of the first son, the firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second, Abiah. And they were judges in Beersheba. And look at verse 3. And his sons walked not in what? But turned aside after... Yeah, another place in the Bible. Where do you see that word? It says, filthy lucre. They wanted more. And took bribes. Well, he ought to be a senator. And perverted judgment. You see, <laughs> they didn't walk and train up a child in the way he. And when he was old, they're going to fight against it. Pastor, our church was attacked in the paper. Do you know, Pastor Kenny? I don't know if he said anything about it. That, that the deacon saw the article. That we were interviewed, he was interviewed on the corner. That was a good article. The girl wrote it well. It was in the Oswegonian. I think that's the college paper. And the presentation of salvation was given two or three times. She wrote down what he said. Someone else talked about feeling uneasy with street preachers. And they went to the article and it says that we get on top of the buildings in Oswego and yell down at people during the farmer's market. I don't know about you, but if I was up and I was yelling down, anybody was watching me preach, you don't want to stand five feet in front of me because you're going to get a bath. All right? Can you see that falling over the top? Can you go up high and teach me or But you understand? She, that person didn't like what was being said and said, that ought not to be. Well, you know what? I don't like things that a lot of people do, but I'll defend their right to do them. This is the United States of America. Men have died, women have died around this world to defend that privilege. We have people who are setting aside understanding that privilege and they're letting it be taken away from them for a little bit monetary 
immediacy. Okay, well, that's what they did. Israel, under the judges, their government was called a theocracy. There was no king, there was no president, there were no rulers. They had judges. And they judged different areas of the 12 tribes. Okay, the form of government was spoken of as a theocracy. And it was kind of like a loose confederacy of the independent tribes. No unifying force outside of God. A theocracy means God rules. And that's what they had here. And they chose not the judges here under Samuel. Samuel was a great judge. Samuel was used to help Israel turn away from the paganism that was coming in. But his children looked at the gain and not at their God. Look at verses 4 and 5. And all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all nations. When you look around at what you have and you're unhappy, you start looking for something that the world offers that you think looks better. And that's what they did. <laughs> it's amazing. They were motivated by several factors. Samuel's sons were not godly. The elders feared that they would lead the nation astray when Samuel died. The nation had been through a series of temporary leaders with the judges. No permanent leader and no judge was over all. You'll find if you read it, judges dealt with certain parts of the tribes. Israel wanted to be like the other nations. Our college system is trying to teach our young people that it's better off in a socialized government. Sound familiar to you? They want Europe. I've been not to Europe, but Ireland's part of Europe, and I don't want what Ireland has. I've been to New Zealand, socialized. I don't want what New Zealand has. I've been to India, and I'm telling you, I do not want what India has. They looked around what they had and they started looking for something in the world instead of looking to who? Supposed to be a theocracy. They wanted to be like the other nations. They thought it would give them greater security. Women should not rule. Women sense love in the greatest sense through security. And when their security is threatened, they start looking for ways to gain greater security and they don't realize that there'll be a loss of liberty. And rules that get made. People are coming after my firearms because primarily women make an emotional decision on that. And then wimpy men who follow the women get involved in it. And I'm not, men are simple, women are complicated. But Eve was deceived. 
Adam just chose his flesh. Eve didn't understand. And so I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not, I'm not putting women down. I want you to understand how it works. The woman in the Scriptures, as far as the church, is never to usurp the authority over the man. If she's got a bad man, <laughs> she better wear out a spot on the carpet with her knees praying and doing right, because then it can be turned around. But God blesses when we submit to what God says about it. They wanted a king. They wanted security, so they were willing to give something up for that. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the, the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee. But we always have a tendency to take it personal, don't we? Hmm? So God's making Samuel understand, Samuel, this is not about you. Believer, it's not about you. It's not about me. If it was about me, I would have fought tooth and nail instead of trying to protect the church to maintain the leadership in the church. It's not about me. It's about the Lord and the vision that God has for Emmanuel. Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Isn't that interesting? I should not reign over them. Samuel tried to warn the children of Israel not to do it. Look at verse 10. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. And he will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots and for his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties. And will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. They were indentured servants. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. Kind of like what's happening in Hawaii with a fire. You don't know what I'm talking about? Look it up. Okay. And he will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. <laughs> oh, for the Israel's king in this country. A tenth? Isn't it interesting? They were supposed to give God a tenth. They were to tithe of all their increase. And now they're going to... That doesn't stop. They ask for a king. They're supposed to tithe of all to God. If you're not tithing, you're in sin. Okay? You want to argue with me about it? Ask me afterwards. Okay? Tithing is in before the law, during the law, and it's directly because you can't give an offering in the New Testament. It's not an offering until it's above the tithe. Tithe's required. The offering's a free will. And he will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give it to his offers to his servants. What tax bracket are all of you in here? You in the 37%, the 47%, the 57%. Oh, I think they ought to get more from those, those billionaires. You know how many they pay? 90%. 1% of the population in the United States pays over 50% of the taxes in this country. 1% pays over 50%. Don't believe me? 
Well, look at all they have. Yeah, they pay more for it. They just have so much that you can't imagine it. And he will take your men servants and your maidservants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to work. And he will take a tenth of your sheep and he shall, they, ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king which ye have chosen, which ye shall have chosen, which ye have ch- shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Oh, I don't want President Biden. <laughs> Voted for him. Oh, it was a crooked election. Oh. You know what the Bible teaches us? God gives us the leaders we deserve. Oh, that's kind of rough, isn't it? God predicted this was going to happen. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 17. We're coming back to 1 Samuel 8. Deuteronomy. If you don't know where that is, it. <laughs> It's the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy 17. I'm a little contentious this morning, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy 17. Verse 14. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and she'll say, I will set a king over me like as all the nations that are about me. God told them ahead of time what they would do if they took their eyes off of him. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose, one from among thy brethren. And thou shalt set a king over thee, that thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. Do you know that a um, naturalized citizen cannot be president of the United States of America. That's United States law. Otherwise, some of you might have been looking at Arnold as your president. He can be a governor. They can't be president. They have to be born in this country. But he shall, multip- he, but he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, you shall henceforth return no more that way. He's warning them. You're going to ask the king? The king's going to start looking out for himself. Don't go back into the world. Don't go back into Egypt. He predicted they would do this. God knows our future. I cannot totally fathom it. But the moment you were born is right now to God. Right now is right now to God. The moment either the trumpet sounds and you go up or you breathe your last breath on this earth and your body dies and your soul and your spirit ascend to Him is right now to God. He's outside of time. He is the I am. There's no I was or I will be with Him. That's why what he gives us is different than what the angels have. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you didn't get everlasting life from that point on. You got eternal life. You went back to him. No beginning, no end. That's why it's called eternal life. God told Samuel to listen to the people and give them what they want. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Give them what they want. 
Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king rule over us, verse 19, that we may also be like all nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man into a city. Okay? He said, give him what he wants. You know, sometimes you know what that God does? He'll give you what you want. Hmm? He'll give you what you want. You wanted enough? Why didn't God stop me? You push enough against it, God says, you're not going to listen to me. Okay. When you listen to me, I'm responsible for the outcome. When you do it your way. Yes, sir. Your, uh, your reference to Samuel's son. Yes. Samuel got to a certain age where he wasn't as observant of what was taking place. I think Samuel probably tried to raise his sons right, but every, everyone makes a choice. Okay, and so when they did that, now we will have a tendency to overlook the misbehavior of our own children compared to other people's children. If you had, I, I don't get the posterity anymore. It always used to drive me crazy. My son would always point this out as an investigative news reporter. He said, Dad, watch this. Every article when you see when some guy is shot by the police or that he's shot by somebody, you say, oh, he was such a good boy. He made a few bad choices. But I know he's such a good boy. He's, he, was, he just got with the wrong people. He was such a good man. And he was killed robbing somebody or shot by the police. Yeah, so, you know what that happens? Okay, so I want you to understand. You can't condemn Samuel in that because how many times do we do that ourselves? We overlook it. Instead of dropping the hammer on our children when they're younger, when it can have a greater influence, we kind of let it go by. Oh, we'll get it. When they grow up, they'll make better choices. No, train them up when they're young, and then when they're old, they'll turn back to it. Okay? When they get older, and you, I never spanked my boys after 12 years of age. But boy, before that time. And then they started realizing sometimes they'd wished I'd gone ahead and spanked them because it cost them in different ways much more. I'm just telling you about me. But this is what it comes down to with them. Samuel was still listening to God. Samuel, because of his age, wasn't following until God chose another judge. He let some of his work slide. It wasn't God said, okay, Samuel, you're done now. I'm appointing a new judge in Israel. But the choices made by someone who looked at what they could gain instead of who they serve is what set the people up for that. So that's where we're at with this. And I said, God will give it to you. Turn to Psalm 106. 
Psalm 106. History of Israel. It's history of men. History of people. You ready? Look at verse 9. This is talking about God. He rebuked, Psalm 106, verse 9, He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So He led them through the depths as through the wilderness. And He saved them from the hand of Him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. He's talking about Pharaoh. And the waters covered their enemies, and there was not one of them left. Then believed they His words and sang His praise. Oh, He delivered, He delivered us. And then they get in the... 40 days into the, into the wilderness, and I'm tired of this food, right? They soon forgot his works, and they waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he did what? Read it out loud to me, verse 15. He sent leanness into their soul. When you make your decisions based off your wants, your monetary decisions, and not off God first, you're responsible for those choices, and you can't blame God. What will man give in exchange for his? When we, have, we turn from God to our own desires, okay? Turn to Psalm 37. You're right there in Psalm 106. Go to Psalm 37, then we're going to go back to the text. I'm taking you through Psalm, or, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9 quickly in this. Okay. See, God will allow you to make a bad choice, and then you know what we want to do? We want to blame God. That's why you're supposed to hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. Proverbs 6, 3-5, through 5, some of uh, Howard's favorite verses. Go back and look at them. But in Psalm 37, it says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. Not herb, herb. <laughs> Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee What? Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait. This is the one we struggle with so many times, waiting on God. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently. Tribulation worketh patience, patience, experience, and experience hope. Amen? Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. And this is no, you, you, the Bible does say, be angry and sin not. That's when you're angry about what people say about your God. Outside of that, your anger is a response of insecurity when you have to get angry. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Mm. So God chose a man named Saul. We'll turn back to our text. We're going to go in chapter 9. And now there was a man in Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becharoth, the son of Ephiah, a Benjaminite, a, man, a mighty man of powers, 1 Samuel 9. 
And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and goodly, and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. Okay, so God's got a, he's got a guy chosen out. And Samuel was informed by the Lord who it was going to be. And the Lord used some lost cattle to bring Saul to Samuel. And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, Take now one of the, the, the servants in, with thee and arise and go seek the asses. And as he passed through the Mount Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalisha, but they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and there they were not. And he passed through the land of ben, the Benjamites and found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come and let us return, lest thy father... Leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. And he said to them, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, and eventually he will show us our way that we should go. It's always good to look for your way with God. Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God what we have. And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here in the hand a fourth part of a shekel of silver that I will give to the man of God to tell us our way. Before time Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was aforetime called a seer. Then Saul and his servant... Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. And they went into the city where the man of God was. And as they went up to the hill of the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water and said unto them, Where is the seer? You know, and he, so he goes out and he finds Samuel, right? Look at verse 15. And now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because of their cry has come unto me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, Behold, the man whom I spake to thee of, the same shall reign over my people. So God chose him, but it wasn't God's best choice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, unto God. And be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good. Sometimes it's good, not acceptable. And acceptable. Sometimes it's acceptable, God allows it, but it's not the perfect will of God. It's not the mature, it's not the best choice that good and acceptable and perfect will of god so god gave it to him okay he chose a man out for them samuel knew who he was he got his, some cattle lost samuel told saul where he could find his father's cattle and prepared him for the big news right You go through this, Saul drew near, and he says, tell me where this is Seer's house. He goes there in verse 18. He goes there, and Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, my family less the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore speakest thou to me? 
Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them to the parlor and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about 30 persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, which I said unto thee, and set it by thee. And the cook took up the shoulder and that which was upon it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold, that which is left set it before thee and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept from thee since I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. And when they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. And they arose Early and came to pass in the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house and said, Up, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and he went both of them to he and Samuel abroad. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid thy servant to pass on before us. He passed on, but stand still a while, I may show thee the word of God. Takes you to chapter 10. All right? Because you want you to know, God can use even little situations. They're looking there, trying to find something. To bring us a message and to promote his permissive will. All things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to what? Not my purpose. His purpose. His purpose. God's purpose. And he can work in us in that way. And you have to do it. He'll, he'll allow it. There's, we make choices to permissive will of God and God can bless them. All right, The permissive will of God isn't always wrong. It just may not be always best. Takes us to 10. And Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me to this day, thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulchre in the border of Benjamin as Zelza. And they will say unto thee the asses. So he tells them where to find them, okay? And they can take him back to his father. Then, then shalt thou go forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they shall salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive in their hands. And thou shalt come to the hill of God, where the garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place, and the psaltery, and the tabret, and the pipe, and the harp before them. And they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs are come unto thee that thou doest as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Look at verse 9. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him what? Another heart. And all those signs come to pass that day. You, know, you look at this. 10.1, he took him aside. 10.6, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. 10.10, 10, and when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. It's a symbolization of God pouring out his Spirit to empower a person to do a certain job. Even though Saul wasn't where it should have been, God should have been ruling, God was giving Saul all the tools and all the power that he needed to accomplish the mission that God had given him. Okay? 
Every one of us sitting in here that knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior has been anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's given you all the tools and all the power needed to accomplish the mission that he's given you, given me. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, any man teach you, but the same anointing teaches you all, in all things, of all things, and is of truth, and is of no lie, even as it hath taught you, and ye shall abide in him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. You've been anointed. Ephesians 1.13, In whom ye also trusted, that if ye heard the word of the truth, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that if ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Saul had everything. He had a strong body. Look at verse 23 of chapter 10. And they ran and fetched him thence, and when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. He, was a big, he had a humble mind. Verse 21 of chapter 9. And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? He's saying, Why am I getting chose? God gave him a new heart. Chapter 10, verse 9. God gave him another heart. Verse 10. God gave him spiritual power. The Spirit of God came upon him. Chapter 10, verse 26. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a, hand of, a band of men whose hearts God had what? Touched. He gave him loyal friends that God is working and to help him. He had the guidance of the prayers of Samuel. Everything needed. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that ye be able to bear it. God always gives the ability, gives the power, gives the way. You can have all those things but if you don't follow the Lord as king in your life, a great God, a great king over all gods, Alpha and Omega, if you don't follow him, you're going to fail miserably. Saul was a picture of he had it all. And he had to be replaced. He led the people by sight and not by faith. Zechariah 4.6 Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You've got to remember, Saul, he added unto him, they said, they're going to add unto, the king's going to add unto himself horses and chariots. And he's going to take your children. He's going to build it up. When David fell into sin, he numbered the children of Israel. He was looking at the physical side and not at the spiritual side. How many of you can give me Philippians 4.13? I can do through who? Which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world? Matthew 8. Let me see here. Matthew 8, verse 36. And lose his own soul. God will give you what you keep asking for. And you've already been told it's not what you should have. 
God will put somebody over in authority over you when you settle for the immediate and don't look at the long view and learn how to serve Him. And we need to see things that are of eternal value and not of material value. Because they're always gone. Ever since Judy and I got married, we've owned two houses. You know what we said about both of them? They'll burn. The houses aren't important compared to the people that come into those houses. And what Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Take a break.